Hello and welcome to episode 3 of The Bible and Me podcast. This episode is hosted by Molly Watts and our special guest today is Jennifer Carter, noted Christian author and speaker. The Bible and Me podcast is a series of conversations with influential men and women of God sharing testimony of how God has changed their lives through his word. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for coming in to talk to me. Jennifer, I think you would describe yourself as a mum, a grandmother, a writer, a Christ follower, and an adventurer of sorts. Could you tell me what that <laughs> sort of looks like? Um, what, the whole package? Well, we'll start off with the adventurer bit, because right. that sounds really exciting oh, and different. Well, I, think, I think that's what my family have called me and, and some of my friends. I tend to zip off, I follow um, Alistair Humphreys, who does um, these things called micro-adventures. In fact, he, took, he coined the word... And it's this wonderful idea where you don't have to go off to Canada and climb a mountain to have an adventure. You can have a small adventure and that whatever that looks like for you. So for me recently, I've done um, a road trip on the North Coast 500, which is right around the sort of north and west coast of Scotland, which was stunning. I did it on my own, which I think is why people think it's adventuring, because people are really quite surprised that you can go and have a holiday on your own. But I always say, well, I'm not actually on my own. It's me and Jesus. We have quite a cool time. And I I always have a really nice time seeing all these amazing sights. And, And one of the things I do is I go to places where I think it's that will inspire me with awe. So I've been to a gorgeous place in, in Norway, which is this Preikstollen, which is this sort of tongue of rock overlooking this fjord. And it was it, you just can't look at it without just going, wow, God, you are just amazing. So I quite consciously go to places like that just to take time out so I find those places. But also I'm sort of walking and talking and listening and just renewing myself to come back and do all the stuff that I need to do. Wonderful. And when you explain to people that it's you and Jesus, how do they respond to that? Well, it's really weird because actually what, what I find is um, um, that most people actually sort of, you're going on your own and they're actually feeling a little bit sorry for me. And I'm like, uh, so I'm just like, no, I'm going with Jesus, it's okay. And then they're like, I'm really jealous. So actually I've now got a, a friend this week, she's having... So I've been working with her and she's just finished work and now she's going off for two days on her own. She's never done it before, which is so inspired by what you've done that I'm going to go and I'm just going to hang for a couple of days and wait and see what I might hear from God and stuff. So that's really encouraging. I mean, that's been so encouraging for me because I also wanted to put a different spin on it. I hated the idea that just because I'm on my own as a woman that... um, people would feel sorry for me because I'm like no this is I'm, I'm really happy with this I have a great time with God um most of the time when I you know obviously I've, I'm normal I have ups and downs but that was that was but kind you're of making deliberate time to be with God absolutely yes so I mean I'm, I'm having a great time I'm going and buying pies and chips and walking along beaches but I'm I'm listening to him and I'm ramping it up with worship songs in the car and having a really cool time Fantastic. And do you ever write down your experiences or journal them or um, record them in any way? I think often when I'm away, I'm I'm looking at something uh, particular. So uh, recently when I was going around um, Scotland, I, I had a talk that I was going to be giving at a local church. And so I was like, God, you know, I'd I'd gone to him and said I don't know what I'm going to talk about, and he'd I'd almost downloaded this talk, but then I needed to flesh it out. So as I was going round, 
I was just saying, I was just spending, I think it's been the first four days just hanging with him and just praying and worshipping. And then I was, as, as I continued, the, the sort of message came and I was able to flesh it out and I recorded videos which, because wow. I'm an external processor, so until I start talking, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't even know what I think. Okay. Um, and so I would that, and that's how I then crafted the message that I was going to bring as as a talk later on. But I then also recorded it as a series of videos about being, and that was a series about my journey from maths geek to creative woman in God. Wow. So maths was yeah. maths your passion? It was what I thought I was good at. Was I that think. something you studied at university, or how did you get involved in, in sort of the world of maths? Um, I think this, I would just, it was what I got, I was reasonably good at at school, um, and so I then went on and did, my degree was in statistics, I then started training as an actuary, so I really was a bit of a geek, and so I put myself in this sort of, I'm not creative at all box, and God very gently sort of took me out of that and showed me that actually I was made in his image, and he's a pretty good creative guy, so... Um, yeah, it's been a really exciting journey, and so that was what I was sort of thinking through, actually, how he brought me along that journey. Um, so, it's And how, do you, how have you developed your creativity? Clearly, as uh, an author, somebody who mm-hmm. writes, somebody you've told me you make videos, you, um, obviously you love being outside and in, you know, amongst creation. How have you developed your creative side? I think I think it's been I think it's been God leading me because I think the education system told me you know I was rubbish at art, at music, and needlework and cookery is what we did at school, and I was rubbish at pretty much all of those. And so it was God leading and saying actually, um, it took a, a Christian pastor to say you know you're all creative, and then he was talking about planning holidays, and if you ever planned a holiday that's not a package holiday, then you're creative. So I suddenly realised. Oh, that was like a light bulb moment for me where I was, you know, so he was the one who's kind of been drawing it out of me and I've been going, oh, really? I'm not sure. And so kind of going along with him a little unwillingly, I think, because I'm thinking, oh, I don't know that that's me. I don't know that's a good fit. And yet he knows better. So I'm going, okay, if this is where you're leading me, I'll I'll follow. But I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, if I'm honest. So um, in he felt ter- that he's actually been the one to develop that and lead you and encourage you. Yeah, very much so, very much so. Um, and so even then, having had that chat preach and me sort of go, oh, I, you know, I, I realise I've got this creativity inside of me. And of course, then as you realise how much of a creator God is, you're thinking, well, yes. made in his image, obviously I'm going to be creative in some way. I just haven't really explored it. Um, and then as I looked, I thought, well, actually I have been. At that point, I'd been writing letters I while the kids were young I was writing um, letters to prisoners so um, I got involved with a organization in the UK called Prisoners Abroad Mm -hmm. and I was writing letters to a number of British nationals but who were in prisons abroad but that started with writing to a guy on death row in Trinidad and Tobago Um, and in a sense that was a really creative process because I was here and they were in this whole other country and I didn't know what to write I didn't know what they were experiencing so for me that was I call it creativity because I had to go to God and say what do I say which part of my life is appropriate to share and and what will they be feeling when this arrives how what do I write and so I had to sort of in a sense wait on him and say and then whatever I felt God put on my heart I had to trust that that was what I needed to write and it wasn't none of it's rocket science so for me that was these first tiny steps in creativity in terms of 
not just writing the known, but sort of kind of leaning into God for something, if that makes sense. And did, um, at what point did sort of scripture come in and help you with that? Were you able to bring in some scripture references to encourage them, or did you have strict guidelines that you weren't able to do that? No, I was, at no point have I not been able to share those things. So it would really, I mean, sometimes I'd be writing about we've gone down to the beach and the kids have done that because you're thinking these guys are missing family moments. And then I think there was a sense because I was being honest and and sharing that then I could also bring in sort of Bible references and saying, you know, so and talk about my faith. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wasn't afraid to because, you know, I'm, I'm building a genuine friendship and actually there's something about it that, Probably when you're writing to somebody, it's easier than in a conversation, actually. Yes. Isn't there? Because you're not, you don't have to wait for permission or you don't see any look on their face or you, there's nothing to put you off. You're just thinking, do you know what? This, this is me as much as the kids going to the beach or have had a difficult day at work or whatever. So it's just part of my life. And so I was also sharing it because often these guys were going through quite difficult times you know, missing family or lost contact with family, no sight of getting out of prison. And so, you know, I was just sharing what my hope was. Yes. Um, so share, naturally sharing that with them, but not like letters. it was just, you know, it wasn't every letter. It was just when I felt it appropriate to do so. Yes. Although one of them, I think, one chap who was very open to it, one young man called Brian, I started sharing. He He was having a really challenging time, so I started sharing... Um, I'd also gone through some very difficult times uh, myself, particularly around a period when um, I was going through a divorce. And and it was a really, really dark time. And so um, I'd had that experience. And so I was able to write to him and share some of the... I would find, you know, so things like in each day I'd find something small that was positive. And so I was able to write to him and share my experience of God breaking into that darkness in some small way. Um, and that series of letters actually became my first book. And your which, first book is called Daily Readings for Difficult Days, I believe. That's, that's right, yeah. So it was, it was just, you know, it just, and it came out of that series of letters of me just thinking, what, what have I got to share that might encourage him when he's feeling so discouraged? Um, and that, that's, that's, you know, and then, as I say, that became... A book when I realised that you could self-publish. I thought if it's if it's helped, you know, if it could help one person, let's let's do it. You know, there's there's nothing to lose and everything to gain. And again, I think I sort of felt God leading in that. Really, there's a great scripture, isn't there, um, in two Corinthians, and uh, and it says two Corinthians chapter one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our, our affliction. Why? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And it just seems that in your distress, in your pain, God was able to, well, he brought you comfort, but then use this opportunity, your creativity, to be able to write and encourage this gentleman who was imprisoned as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And then that's that's the sort of thing that blows your mind, isn't it? Because you're thinking, gosh, I was there in that dark place, and then he's using it... And then, of course, now that I've seen that, you see that in other people's lives, and you, I wouldn't want to be gung-ho about it at all, because you see people going through difficult times, but you then see, maybe two or three years later, then they're also ministering to people who are going through similar times, and they've got a bit of perspective, and they've yes. seen what God was doing in their lives through it. And so, yeah, absolutely, that's, you know, that's been a privilege 
for me to do, but I, you know, you can see it around you as you start yes. looking for it, I think. Absolutely. And how did you first meet Jesus? Because you describe yourself as a Christ follower. So how did you first meet him? Ah, well, that's an interesting one. I think I, I went to um, Sunday school as... I went to Sunday school um, as a child and I loved the stories about Jesus, but I don't know that I really got the whole thing. It was good stories. I mean, it was really good stories, but I don't think I understood the concept of that I needed to personally respond. And it wasn't really until university when we had um, a couple from Campus Crusade for Christ yes. come round and have conversation after conversation with us. They must have put in hours and hours of time answering questions. And I was round their house with the, the wife one day, having spent hours with them. <laughs> and she sort of said, do you want, do you think it's time to respond? And I think I probably said something cool like, yeah, I guess so. But of course, you know, at that point, your whole tummy, tummy's all butterflies and everything's about you like, oh, this is, you know, it's, it's not nerves, but it's a sense of excitement yes. in you, isn't it? And you yes. kind of, um, I sort of know afterwards, that's a kind of a, a God sensation, isn't it? When, he, you yes. know, God's on you. And so, and I can remember as clear as day, walking back down the street, and I would swear to this day that I was six inches above the ground, because the whole, the whole, sh I mean, I was, I was probably only about 19, but I just had this sense of this lightness, everything, you know, all the shame and all the anxiety and worry and, and guilt, I suppose, just that accumulates in our lives had, had been lifted off, and it was amazing. But that, I'd only done part of the response, I'd sort of gone, yes, thank you for your present of forgiveness, that's awfully kind of you. Yes. And then when she sort of said, oh, do you want to come to church? I was like, no, 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 I'm not ready for it. And it probably took another six years, I think, until I had my firstborn son. And I was reading a book by Billy Graham. And he was talking about God giving his son. And there was my newborn son lying there. And I suddenly got it. I suddenly got the price that had been paid for me. And I realised that it needed a response from me. So as well as the forgiveness, I needed to come back and go, wow, then I, I, if this is how much I'm loved and loved by you, I need to respond and give my life back into your hands in a sense. And so it was at that point then we started, um, found a local church, started going, a local couple started taking us through the Bible, just some simple studies so we could get to know it because we didn't, you know, I, I knew the Study, you know, the Bible, the children's Bible the children's stories, stories as a child, but I didn't know how you applied it to your life. I didn't know what it said about yes. living as an adult, um, and so that was kind of the beginning of a journey at that point, really. So probably when I was about twenty-five. Gosh, fantastic! And since then, you've you just mentioned that you were people helped you to read the Bible and study the Bible. How has that developed over the years? Because I've noticed that you've written um, a number of books. One of them is on 31 uh, women named in the Bible. And uh, they're, they're obviously they're discussed in the Bible. God brings uh, teaches us about them for very good reason. We learn different lessons from each one of them. But they're not generally um, talked about very much in the pulpit. So you've got 31 women. Why did you write that book? It's a very good question with quite a long answer, I think. Um, my own daughter was growing up and she was beginning to try and take, you know, take steps to be this Christian woman of God that she wanted, you know, that she wanted to become. And I wanted to be able to mentor her in that. 
And so I was going to the Bible and I really wanted to dig in and I didn't, I didn't feel that people had, I'd really heard many preachers on. I think I've pe- heard people preach on maybe Ruth and Esther and I think yes. probably most people have. Yes. But I didn't, that, that didn't particularly help me. Um, I didn't feel like I was a Ruth or an Esther and I thought was... How so you couldn't you, connect with them, you couldn't identify Not really, them. no. And so I was, I was kind of looking at the Bible and I... I'd, I'd been looking at things like Proverbs 31, and I, I didn't get it, to be honest. I didn't get that. And Proverbs 31 Which is the, the, the Proverbs 31 woman. About the excellent wife. That this. one. Yes, yes. Okay. As a result of looking at her, you... And I thought... I, I didn't understand her, so I thought, I'm going to spend some time looking at all these other women. And I thought, I thought maybe I'd find half a dozen women, or maybe a dozen women. And then as I went through the Bible, I found this 31 women I mean there's more than that but I found 31 that I could that, that there was enough in there that you could get a sense of who they might be sense of their story and as I went through and they were so incredibly different and I was like oh, I just found it so inspiring because their stories are so very different and yet God is working through each of them in their story and their stories weren't easy at all no, I Again, noticed, I found that really helpful. I noticed that you actually, one of your stories was about Naaman's wife's little servant girl, which is an mm-hmm. extraordinary story yeah. about a girl who was captured and taken into a foreign land. And yet she didn't seem to harbour bitterness. She just mm-hmm. pointed her master, who Naaman was suffering from leprosy, back to God. Absolutely. And it was through her witness that he went to Israel and he um, received healing and ultimately came back. Um, and um, was worshiping the Lord and was a witness. Mm. So, fantastic stories that uh, of women that you they are, are writing about. Absolutely, and I think what really helped me actually in in my journey because was as you know as a child I I think I had the book of I had a number of sort of like Lady Bird Bible story books, and they were great stories, but I hadn't connected them with real life. And so, one of the things that I think's really helped me a couple of years ago I went to. Israel, and it just blew my mind to see the places, and they're all, and and to be able to connect and start seeing that these were real people and real lives. Um, yes, I mean, and then, it's, it's a, going to Israel actually brings scripture to life in mm, many ways, doesn't yes, it? Yeah. You can actually see the, the the remains of houses where they actually used to live. Mm-hmm. You get a real sense of the climate and the geography of it. Yeah. So you found that really brought it to the life. It just made... I, I knew in my head that these were real women. Yes. It's um, just a story. And it's not just a story. So you're thinking, you know, so you, you put yourself into the... You know, you're talking about the, the little girl who spoke to her, you know, her, her mistress about the prophet might come and help Naomi get healed and so on. And you put yourself in her position. I mean, you know, or even, you know, you look at all of them, you put yourself in Esther's position, you know, okay, I'll go and speak, I'll go and wait for my husband and I'll knock on the door, but actually I might get killed. And you suddenly realise these are incredibly courageous women. You know, they didn't feel any different than you or I, but they made a decision to trust God. And that was the bit that really, you know, I don't know, it, it so helped me, I think, in my life, because I'm thinking... You know, you, we all think, oh, well, they must have felt different. They didn't feel different. We they just made a different decision. Absolutely. They ju- I think, that, you know, they knew who God was. Yes. And knowing who God was enabled them to make those decisions. Yes. So for me, that was, you know, that's, that, that's 
again, I think it's definitely changed the way I make decisions now because I think I'm I'm thinking not so much of I try anyway to think not so much of what do I want, but actually what would what would bring God most joy, or you know what, what, what if he's if he's if this is something he's asking of me. Who I am, I guess, who am I to say no? But equally, you know, I just love the idea that you know, if if I make the courageous decision, you can almost see the smile on his face, like go girl, you know. So it's probably a bit irreligious, or I don't know. That that's how I'm picturing it. But I'm thinking, why not? Yes, yes. You mentioned Proverbs thirty-one. Yeah. Um, I asked you prior to this interview um, what your favourite character um, of the Bible was, and you came back and suggested actually you'd like to talk about Proverbs 31. Now, why this woman? Why this woman of excellence? I mean, Proverbs 31 verse 10 says, An excellent wife, who can find her, for her worth is far above jewels. Why this woman? What was it about her? I think the fact that she eluded me for so long, to be honest. Um, as I think I said, I, I didn't really get who she was. And then Having looked through all the lives of these different women, I went back and I revisited Proverbs 31 and I spent, you know, some time just looking at it. What I discovered, I found, really blew my mind because what I'd I'd read loads about Proverbs 31 and everybody was talking about this, it was almost like this holy tick list of God's to-do list and if you could get to the bottom of it, you'd only have to start at the top again, a bit like the fourth road bridge when you're painting it. And I just, I, I, to be honest, I thought it was quite an intimidating list, you know. Okay, so, because why, why is it intimidating? What are some of the things that she is doing? Well, I mean, she just is, she's, I mean, she's, get, she's doing all these, it, it's just an enormous list. So she's getting up early in the morning, she's buying a field, she's clothing her servants in scarlet. It, I was just exhausted reading the yes. list. I just thought, I, I, you know, I know that it's someone I was supposed to aspire to, and I understood that that's, and, and, but I didn't get it. I mean, it's, and it, a, it's a high bar, isn't it? I mean, hmm. she says it says here that she looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like a merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She rises also whilst it's still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. I mean, she's a businesswoman. She's a provider. She's practical. She's proactive. She really is, you know... Beyond the reach, I would have thought, you know, of most of us women, we think, I can't yeah. attain to that. Absolutely, um, yeah. So what, what else did you um, understand by this woman? Well, I think, as I say, I came back to it and I thought, I, I, I have to understand this because my understanding of God was that he loved and accepted me as I was and that, right. that people's understanding of Proverbs, of it being this holy tick list and you've got to do all these things, couldn't be, didn't, wasn't, didn't seem to align with my understanding of God loving me and having an, a plan for my life with my giftings. Right. And so as I went through it again, I came to the end and it sort of talks about the woman who fears the Lord. And I suddenly realised that this was the key and this was the thread in all the women that I'd read about their story was that they feared the Lord. And that's not this sort of like terror kind of fear. I think our English language is a bit rubbish when it comes to that. I mean, the, they've got sort of 50 words for snow, haven't they, the Eskimos? And we've got one word for fear. But it's a word, I mean, our English language doesn't do it justice because it really means sort of reverence, reverence. or honour, um, yes. 
or awe even. And if you put that in context, it's, it's the idea of understanding who God is, how powerful and mighty and amazing he is. Yes. And then also how amazing it is that this amazing, awesome, powerful, almighty God reaches down and says, I love you and reaches you out of your rubbishy pit and lifts you out. And that the two together, so God being amazing and then him saying, actually, but, you know, you can call me father. That's the that's the combination, I think, that these women had. And that was them knowing who God was and who they were in him was what enabled them to have that sense of courage. And for me, again, that was just this transformation moment because you're thinking if if instead of focusing on me, I'm focusing on, okay, who's God in this? If I remind myself who God is, as they must have done, if you think of jail with her tent bag, she's going in there, but she's she's doing it because she understands who the God of the Israelite army is. Rahab is letting the spies in because she gets, she can, she can, a, she can read the writing on the wall, but she gets something of who this God is and that he, you know, she doesn't know that the walls of Jericho are going to come down, I'm guessing, but she can sense that something's about to happen. And, and so they got this God and that, that's what I love about it. Psalm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. And there's that sense, as you said, out of her relationship with the Lord come the works. Absolutely. And it's the works that then are the praise of what she has done. Um, And I sense that's what you're saying. It was, you felt that you had to attain to this high level, but actually that's topsy-turvy. What's important is that you focus on the Lord and allow him to work in your life. And as a result of that relationship, come all the, all all the other things come. Is that, is that Absolutely, absolutely. And I think this whole concept where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I suddenly thought, gosh, I've, I've been a Christian all these years and I'm not sure that I'd really started down that path so I quite I've been far I think more intentional certainly in my walk in terms of just being aware and minding myself who God is and I think again these these women must have been in that situation and I thought C.S. Lewis put it really beautifully in terms of this concept because this idea of fearing God isn't something I think we're it's I don't think it's something that we're it's easy to get to grips with really but C.S. Lewis put it like this when the children ask about Aslan and they said is he safe and they say, of course he's not safe, but he is good. Yes. He's the king. Yes. And for me, I think that puts it so beautifully, so yes. simply. Um, and what I realise is, as you say, that this, this, there's so many promises and so many scriptures about the fear of the Lord. And there's so many good things that are promised to people who fear him, who, in a sense, put him in the right place in yes. their lives. Let's put it that way. Um, and the, as you say, the fruit comes out of that. Um, and then, so instead of like being intimidated by this woman, what I realised, I think one person put it really helpfully, is that almost, I think it's more like somebody perhaps looking back, maybe they've, they've reached the end, you know, the, towards the end of their life, and they're looking back, at, or maybe somebody's looking back at this woman and seeing all the different things she's done in their life. And each one, each act, or each time, is perhaps a single pearl. So, you know, the, the time they've served in this area is a pearl. Yes. But each one of those becomes, you know, it's a pearl on this string and it becomes this, yeah, absolutely. Um, And God does that with us. And I think, you know, for this, when I started thinking about this woman as either 
you know, somebody, you know, you're looking back at somebody at the end of their life and seeing all the beauty yes. of their life and all the different ways that God's used them. Or another way I've looked at it is that if you look at all the women in your own church or own Christian network, you look around and you think, well, yeah, I do know somebody who's, she may not be good at clothing people with scarlet, but she's a yes. fantastic textile artist. And you start looking and you see people who fit maybe one verse or one part of the verse. You're thinking, gosh, you know, again, the church, the women in the church display that glory as well. So I think there's, there's different ways of looking at it, but I'm, I'm no longer intimidated no longer by her. I'm in a sense, I'm freed by her because I think she's, there's a sense in which when you start taking out the clothing your servants in scarlet, which is, is probably quite an outdated concept yes because you realize it's quite timeless yes i mean it's wonderful isn't it verse 21 she's not afraid of the snow for her household for all her household are clothed with scarlet and it's 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 as you say it's perhaps not something we can relate to immediately but it tells us something of her generosity her thoughtfulness Mm. caring um yes her love of those that she has Um, responsibility over absolutely and I think again you know when you think it all comes out of this right view of God then you sort of thinking gosh you know so it's this timeless concept so whether you're I don't know making the burgers in Burger King or you're sort of the vice president of PricewaterhouseCooper that can apply to you and then you're like wow you know so you can apply what you see in this verse, you know, because it's talking about it all comes out of this right view of God and understanding who you are in him as well. Yes. Um, and then you're thinking, wow, that's, that's just really quite powerful. So I, I love that. So, you know, and, and I love the verses that talk about being clothed with strength and dignity. So my, where I may, may not want to actually clothe my servants in scarlet, I'd love to be clothed in strength and dignity. Doesn't that, a beauti- doesn't that sound beautiful it's to you? It's very descriptive, isn't it? Yeah. It's very beautiful. Yeah. Very, it's a very attractive description as well. Um, it's wonderful. I mean, you talked about this right relationship. And uh, John 1 says, as many as received him, that's Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And, and I think that's what you're talking about. As a child of God, mm. you're in that right relationship. Yeah. You understand that he's your father. Um, and it's out of that relationship that your um, creativity has come, your heart to write to prisoners, your adventure taking Jesus with you. You're just sharing that with people. Um, it seems to me that that's where it's come from. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's right, Molly. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. As a Christ follower. Now, what, what's, Jennifer, what is your favourite Bible verse? Aha, well, I happen to have my Bible here. Very good. Let me just turn to it. I'm sure this is going to be a favourite with a number of people. But my favourite Bible verse is, um, well, I've got two, they're together, and it's Hebrews uh, 12, 1 and 2, which says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So I love that because it's talking about there's a race marked out for me, there's a race marked out for you. It's not necessarily the same race, and I, you know, but there's, I love the concept there's people watching, you know, and so that encouraged me on the day when you feel that there's, we we all have those days when you feel alone and there's nobody watching, you think, what's the point? And so for me, that's like, there's going to come a point when I get, I come before God and it's yes. all going to matter. 
uh, and it might not feel that way today, but I'm not going on my feelings, I'm going on what God's word says. And so that's, that's the verse I come back to most often. It's fantastic, isn't it? As you said, because um, the race that has been um, set before us, and your race is going to be different to my race, but yeah. you've already said that looking at those women in the Bible, you've seen something of their race, and you've received something mm. from reading the scriptures and understanding that actually their race and their ability to um, display courage or do great feats was out of their relationship with the Lord. It's all come out of that relationship with God. And um, it's wonderful, as you said, first to fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith. Mm. Um, that is wonderful, Jennifer. I am so grateful for you coming in today. I've just thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and hearing your story. And um, I would just love you to just to say to our listeners, um, is there any way that you um, can explain how they can connect with you, maybe um, get hold of a copy of your book, or just, uh, I think you blog sometimes, or look at some of your videos when you go on your adventures? Um, yeah, sure. If, if you either go on Facebook and uh, search Jennifer Carter Writer, or on YouTube Jennifer Carter Writer, you'll find that there's not that many videos at the moment, but I am about to make another series, so... Uh, but the series on being a, becoming that creative Christian woman is up there and um, I've had some positive feedback on that, so that's encouraging. Fantastic. And I think just as a final word of encouragement um, to um, the ladies that are listening, do go to Proverbs 31 from verses 10 onwards and just remember that actually the key verse, I think, is verse 13. It comes out of her relationship with the Lord. But just look and see um, how this amazing woman is described and it's not by works, but it's by grace. And so I've just had a, a fantastic time talking to an amazing woman of God today. Jennifer, thank you so much and um, for speaking to us today. Thank you, Molly. You have been listening to The Bible and Me podcast by Preset Ministries UK. If you enjoyed this episode, please click the subscribe button now and consider leaving us a rating or review. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry or make a donation, visit www.precept.org.uk or follow us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at PreceptMinUK.